0: Hey, everybody, how's it going? Before we start this episode, I just want to thank all of our new listeners uh, who came in via the Intertube or per Josh's recommendation. I just want to thank you for coming back. Welcome aboard. I hope you've seen Inception, because here we go. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bargain Bin Movie Podcast, where this week we had two false starts on our recording, and we're going to talk about Inception if it kills us. And this week, to talk about Inception with me, I have a fellow movie lover, Rebecca Martin. How's it going, Rebecca?
1: Great. How are you doing, Gabe?
0: I'm doing great this uh, third time around. Um, it's just, everything's wonderful. Uh, the internet's not we're not uh, <laughs> acting up. <laughs> Uh, I'm halfway through a great movie and uh, everything's wonderful. I don't know how we got on this uh, the first uh, time, but I'm gonna just uh, plug this here. Um, we I've got this GoFundMe thing going on for uh, two of my friends. We're trying to get them back to this event that we went to last year. It's called the blimey. It's called BlimeyCon. At, we, at first, we were calling it the Blimey Cow Patreon meetup, but uh, we've shortened it to BlimeyCon.
1: <laughs> yeah, a bit of a mouthful. <laughs>
0: yeah, we've, we've shortened it to BlimeyCon, thank God. But uh, so they're, Nathan, Nathan and Joanna are like the first, as far as we know, uh, they're the first ever Blimey Cowple. That's what we've named them. And uh, they're getting married this this year, I believe. Is it this year?
1: I think so. I'm not, I'm not for sure. But
0: either way, the wedding is, um, sort of getting in the way of the financial aspect of getting to BlimeyCon 2017. So we're, we're going to try to help them out. So if you would like to help out, I will, I will stick the link in the whatever description or whatever is, is below (laughs) podcast, whatever you call that. And, uh, so yeah, if, if you'd, like to contribute, I'd I'd really appreciate it. Awesome. All right, so Rebecca, yes, sir. You have a blog.
1: I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Where you talk about movies sometimes, right? I do,
1: yeah. Um, so my blog is called Watching with a Purpose, and it's just kind of a, mm. a reflection of um, my love for storytelling. And I one of my favorite avenues for that is movies, and I think that's kind of our commonality here. We enjoy movies and talking about them and. Kind of unpacking them, yep. and uh, because I'm so passionate about stories, I'm also passionate about the effects of stories on people. And uh, one of the ways I see that is just in um, the content and the message of a story. And so I kind of analyze that in my blog, and um, I like to focus on finding uh, parallels in film. So uh, parallels mm-hmm. between uh, story and the gospel, because I I I firmly believe that. Many of the greatest stories we tell um, are just a reflection of the greatest story ever told, uh, which is the gospel. So, absolutely, I enjoy that. It's a little pastime I have that might may or may not be a little neglected.
0: <laughs> the the what
1: the blog itself is a little neglected every once in a while, but I enjoy it. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, because you put a lot of uh, effort and thought into the into each mm. post. So well, I try to. It makes well, sense.
1: I can't guarantee yeah. consistent quality all the time, but yeah. I do my best. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, guys, it's it's really good. Um, what is it called again?
1: Uh, watching with a Purpose. And it's a Weebly site, so it'd, it'd be watchingwithapurpose.weebly.com.
0: You know that Josh and Kevin would, would give you a hard time about that, right? Oh, really? Because <laughs> Kevin's al- is always like, just... Get your milk money together and, and buy a Yeah, buy a, thing, a domain. You know? Yeah, a I domain. don't care.
1: Kevin, if you're yeah. listening, I'm sorry. I really don't care. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Kevin's absolutely not listening. It's fine. Um, <laughs> did, did you see the the bargain bin thing that he did?
1: I did, yeah, and I tweeted him about it and gave him a hard time. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, I didn't know if you had seen it before or after you tweeted him because I saw the tweet, but I didn't know if you had. yeah seen it yeah well
1: when he announced it i think he talked about it on the inner tube first and when he brought it up i'm like wait no Mm -hmm. that's already taken dude that's gabe's thing
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah we talked about that last week it was pretty fun and i i just watched it uh today because uh with kevin i i find it hard to keep up with kevin because you have to like actually watch the video you can't because what i do most of the time with youtube is you know i'll start it I'll start the video up and then I'll put it in my pocket mm. and do something else. You know, I'll just listen to it like right. a podcast. But you can't do that with Kevin because half of the you'll miss half of the jokes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. That's my excuse, Kevin. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't always keep up with your stuff. All right. We've talked about the blog, we've talked about GoFundMe. Oh, we should talk about that first. A little bit about your your stance on like the morality in movies. Right, yeah. And how we should treat I thought
1: we talked about this. <laughs> Um. Yeah, so I movies have messages. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that, and I believe that, that movies and stories have the power to change uh, the way we think about and view life. That's kind of my mission statement on the blog. And because of that, uh, I've, I personally feel that we need to be really careful about what we're watching and how we're thinking about it and how we're processing it, right. and uh, it's my goal when I watch a film... To hold it up to the standard of Scripture and say, okay, what does the Bible say about this? What does God say about this? And um, mm. and I think in doing that, it it allows us to analyze the movie deeper and to go into the the message and the worldview that's behind it. and And to me, that's really exciting because I think you see a whole new depth to the movie and to the message and to the way it can change and impact its audience.
0: Absolutely, and it's and it's also interesting to. To see where that comes from in like the the writer or the the director, because um, mm. it the stories that you that you tell really say a lot about you. So, I'm absolutely yeah, and I'm I'm a little bit into psychology, just very like pop psychology and like very vanilla stuff. So I can't really brag about mm-hmm. it, but that's something that that interests me. So yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So you guys uh, should check out her. Blog, I will put it in the description or show notes or whatever. And uh, yeah, shall we talk about Inception?
1: Cool. Yeah, let's do it. All right. <laughs> A lot of material here.
0: Yes. So, okay. The one thing that is still sort of confusing me as far as Inception, and really, like, it adds to the rewatchability, but I always am confused slash forget the exact details of the plan because it sort of, you know, develops... Within the course of the movie, but what what exactly is the plan that they have to pull off this uh, inception? Actually, not extraction, but inception. What is their plan?
1: Right. Okay. So, um, and you're gonna have to bear right with me too because <laughs> I've seen mm-hmm. the movie twice, but the first time was such a blur that I, you know, I can't it's not a lot of good. recollection there. Um, but from my from my recollection of it, so. Cobb and his crew um, are being hired by this other mm-hmm. company, and they they need to get into the mind of this guy and plant an idea that when his father dies and leaves him the company, this massive corporation that has kind of a monopoly, he needs to break up the company, and what that's gonna that's just kind of a business right. tactic, so that this other company that's hiring them, you know, can come in and yeah. take that spot, and so they have to get in there and plant the idea. That his father wanted him to be his own mm-hmm. man, and would have wanted him to break up the and company. start something for himself. And so to do that, they right they do like a dream within a dream within a dream. And it just gets gets crazy yeah. complicated. <laughs> but
0: they do a good job of like setting that up, right? The all of the rules of the the dream, you know all, how all the dreams work.
1: Absolutely, that was one thing that really impressed me. I, and it could just be. I think Nolan is really talented at this, oh, yeah. from what I've heard. Um, he he sets up the story as you go and so there's not a lot of he doesn't rely on exposition so much as just showing you so that whole opening sequence if watching it the second time was kind of eye opening for me because I was like oh I get it like that that right there was explaining the rules that are going to affect us like in the next fifteen minutes, and like in the next two yeah. hours, it, it is just—it's cool the way he gives you hints and sets things up, um, and you don't really know he's doing it until you go back and watch it a <laughs> second time. And it's like, oh, <laughs> it all yeah. makes sense now.
0: Because he, he—he really follows that rule of show, don't tell.
1: Mm, yeah. Absolutely. So the, the
0: whole time the f- yeah. the first mission is going on, you're learning about the rules of that world.
1: Right, and it works really well too because I think. Nolan came into it and had this whole world built in his head before he even started. So he knew mm-hmm. the rules and, and that kept like all the, the continuity together. So there's, it's a lot easier to follow in that respect to where it doesn't jump around. It's, it's very consistent. And for a story of this depth, that's a pretty incredible thing, yeah. I would say. Yeah,
0: no, it's, there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of rules and, and things you have to kind of adhere to for it to make sense to be consistent. Um... Hmm. I want to have a, I have a counterpoint to that. Okay, so people say that, that they draw parallels between the way that the dreams and the, and the passive device, the way that it works, and, you know, the the team, and the way that movies are made, and the different jobs that people have on movies have you ever heard this comparison
1: I I read a little bit about it but I don't I don't know a lot about it okay
0: I'm going to try to remember what the exact parallels are but you know uh probably the the architect would be like the writer uh Cobb would be like the director Saito is the producer and then i don't know what the the rest of the guys are but the way that they 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 have pre-production they have production and then i don't know about post-production really the post-production is really the payoff at the end but do you kind of get uh, where that's going
1: yeah yeah that's actually it's actually pretty interesting cuz i can see yeah i can see where you think that and it, it's logical i don't know if they did it intentionally for well, the well cuz i think
0: there are a lot of probably other things that are that have that sort of process like a heist generally has that kind of kind of a mm. sequence to its events but um oh but the the downside like the negative that i wanted to bring up was the the fact that they're in a dream you know in, in a dream ridiculous things can happen and you don't you don't realize that they're you know ridiculous until you wake up there are a lot of like improbable things that happen throughout the movie and it it's become hard for me to go is this because it's a movie and we need to move the plot along or is it because maybe they're still dreaming? And there are a lot of improbable things that happen when they're not supposed to be dreaming.
1: Like what's an example of that?
0: Um, How did Saito know that they were in Mombasa and was able to drive right to where Cobb was running out of that tiny little alleyway and Mm. smack that guy right in the head with a car door and let Cobb in?
1: Well, and I, I think someone might um, kind of counter that that whole ambiguous ending, it could be related to that. So this whole thing has been a dream in and of itself.
0: Exactly. Which is <laughs> That's why I, so messy. <laughs> yeah, because it's like if the whole thing is a dream, then those are like the worst kind of movies. Like mm. one of my least favorite episodes of Doctor Who is, oh, I really, in the beginning of the episode, he's like, I really wish there was like a, you know a big friendly red button that you know just would reset everything and so throughout the course of the thing he makes a big friendly button that resets the whole episode and you just wasted 45 minutes of your life because none of that mattered Uh. (laughs) (sighs) yeah so if it was a dream then that's really annoying because none of anything that happened really mattered right it was entertaining but nothing happened yeah Does does that make sense
1: yeah, I get it. I still think though the the main messages of the film would stay the same, right? So they it's just kind of a case study on what, what would it look like if humans had the power to control their own reality. And I think the film accomplishes that purpose in kind of demonstrating to us what that would look like and what the consequences of that would be. But I still I still see your point, um to where it is kind of a frustrating ending because you you want there to be resolution and there, <laughs> there mm-hmm. really isn't. <laughs>
0: And then, but I think that the fact that there's, see, I'm not, I'm not, I'm okay with the fact that there's no resolution. The the fact that there's no resolution is like the reason that this movie has endured as like a talking point. If Mm. if that top at the end had, you know, toppled or had not wobbled, uh, then... We wouldn't have been talking about it, you know, for as long. Maybe we'd be talking about Prestige or something more (laughs) as, you know, a Nolan film. What do you think? Have you seen The Prestige?
1: No. And I I should have opened this uh, with like a full disclosure Mm -hmm. sentence because I I think this is my first Nolan film, which... Well, congratulations. Yeah, I know. I haven't even seen Batman, Gabe. It's like, I really need to get on that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you need to see Batman. I (laughs) know. (laughs) What do you think about the morality of this movie? What, what, what kind of themes did you, would, would you pull out of it?
1: Well, there are two things that I, I noticed, and, I, and part of this is I really had to process this movie for a long time because it's just oh, yeah. there's so much material. <laughs> it's
0: that kind of movie, yeah.
1: Um, but the two things I came up with were, I mean, obviously it deals with reality, right, and um, mm-hmm. how we relate to that and what would happen if we were able to control our own reality. Which in and of itself is a very fascinating premise, I think. Uh and then the other thing oh, it's is so good, yeah. And this is kind of a classic story theme, but just reconciliation. Mm-hmm. I think they set up the character of Cobb really well with with this end goal of of reconciling with his family, reconciling his past, and uh yeah, I think they they do that relatively well.
0: Oh yeah. He has a very clear goal, very clear motivations, uh a great backstory that's kind of revealed throughout the movie yes and uh hopefully he gets to the he get he accomplishes his goal maybe he doesn't but i hope he does
1: yeah you you definitely care about about him and his story and no one like you said no one does a good job of of showing us and not telling us
0: right well yeah thank you for crediting me for that point i just kind of said it i just kind (laughs) of repeated what you had said So, yeah, but, okay, so these guys are are thieves. You know, the technology was sort of developed for the military so that they could uh, stab and strangle and shoot each other and just wake up, which is basically what Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character said. That's the reason that the passive machine, you know, the dream machine, that's that's why it exists. And right. then something happened, apparently. there's There's a lot of cool backstory that they could have gone into, which I would have liked a little bit more of, but... You know, it doesn't really hurt from the overall
1: Yeah, well, and time experience. constraints, too. It's already, it's already two hours.
0: Yeah. See, I don't know. Sometimes directors will, like, go on for three and a half hours, and it, nobody really complains except for, you know, people who don't like movies. So. <laughs> I, w- I would have been okay with just a little bit more of that. Maybe, like, a line or two, you know?
1: Yeah, I get that.
0: I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, they're thieves, and they are technically criminals, but we're... We're rooting for them, right?
1: Right. And that that's that brings up an interesting point because it's kind of takes this guardians of the galaxy style character, like where we're mm. we're supposed to be cheering for the, the bad guys kind of. <laughs> it's like right. they're they're a kind of the bit, bad yeah. guys, but they're not the bad guys. And um, but I think I think that fits into this world of kind of a strange reality, you know, where where mm-hmm. humans have the power to control things and it's just it's a very humanistic society, it almost seems like. Yeah, so I I don't know how I That's a
0: philosophy, I, right? Human humanistic. Yeah. You're going to say that you don't know exactly how you feel about that?
1: Yeah, I don't. <laughs> because it's it's kind of hard to wrestle with because it's like the the movie wouldn't exist if these guys didn't have a bit of a wacky moral compass, you know what I'm saying? Like if their moral mm-hmm. compass wasn't a little off-kilter, then this their whole their whole job wouldn't wouldn't be what they were pursuing. And so Right. Two, though, I think the movie doesn't shy away from from telling us they're the bad guys. They And uh-huh. I think that's that's kind of the value <laughs> of it.
0: But they do it in a way that's natural and not like Suicide Squad, where every two seconds somebody has to be like, we're the bad guys. Hey, we're the <laughs> bad guys. <laughs> Remember, we're the bad guys. Hey, we're the bad guys. Spread the word. <laughs> Stay bad. You know?
1: Yeah. Now this is a infinitely better movie compared to what I've heard Suicide Squad is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it truly is. Uh as I keep saying, Suicide Squad is barely a movie. It's mostly a music video and montage, but uh mm. and some of a third act. So it sets up everything real well. Um, because you had said that's a word cause <laughs> um you had said on your blog that you had less than a favorable view of the way that Guardians of the Galaxy treated that whole thing where you are supposed to root for bad guys.
1: I did, yeah, and I—that was kind of an unpopular opinion I found, because uh, *Guardians of the Galaxy* is a very popular film, yeah, and and I understand why. Like, it has a very lighthearted feel to it. Uh, it just kind of takes you to this alternate universe where, like, I don't know, life just seems a lot more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, well, a
0: lot more. Un- it's very unforgiving, but they take it with mm. with such uh, joy in their hearts that it's it's hard not to have fun with them.
1: Right. Yeah, but I, I think my, my issue with that movie was, I, I think I wrote something in the blog like, the, the creators want us to cheer for people who spend more time killing people on screen than the actual bad guys did. <laughs> so it's just, it's kind of this like messed up world of like, where where is our source of, of good and evil? Like I, it just, it's kind of everyone do what's right in his own eyes.
0: Right, and they're not like in, because we're rooting for Cobb. In Inception, and he's trying to get out of this, like, criminal life and get back to his kids, whereas mm-hmm. the Guardians are just kind of trying to survive. That's kind of the driving force that is summed up in that conversation with Rocket and, and Star-Lord. He's like, why would we want to save the universe? He's like, because I'm one of the idiots that lives in it, you know? And that's, <laughs> that's the whole, yeah. that's their whole motivation.
1: And I, I think, too, Cobb, is a relatable character from a, like a, I hate to take it back to the biblical parallels all the time, all but it's, he's done wrong. He has wrong in his past, but he's looking for redemption and he's looking to change and looking to do good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he's, he succeeds as a character. I think that's why um, we relate to him and care about his story because I think that resonates with us.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. The redemption story is always like, it's, it's always uh, a relatable thing. Mm. uh, so is that kind of what's lacking in guardians i don't want to make it about guardians but i was curious about this
1: yeah that that was probably my biggest issue with it is i i didn't see a lot of redemption i didn't see a desire for redemption it was just we live in this world where we control our own morality and we're not accountable to anyone but ourselves Mm -hmm. and i don't know that worldview to me is is pretty contrary to what i would i would see but right that's okay. It's still a fun movie. Yeah, <laughs> it
0: is. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and I'm I'm worried that at this point the trailers have been so good for the second one that it might be another situation. Like uh, this year, the movie came out. It was called A Monster Calls, where mm. the trailer was basically the whole movie with an amazing song behind it, and it outshone the movie itself. Like when I went to see the movie, it was <laughs> less good than the than the trailer, but... Yeah, so I'm I'm hoping gotcha. that doesn't happen with Guardians too, but we will see.
1: I haven't I kind of purposely didn't look up reviews of this film on yeah. the internet because I didn't want like That's a good idea. to say to be super biased, mm-hmm. but I was not a fan of the acting in this film. And I don't really? I don't know why. I think it was just a style.
0: Right, okay. Yeah, makes um, sense.
1: But there was there was one scene that I was impressed by, and that was a scene um on the roof when Cobb is trying to talk his wife out of jumping.
0: Oh uh, yeah, okay.
1: Um to commit suicide and get out of the dream. And like that, that to me was a really powerful scene. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really well acted and and there was a lot of emotion there. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, it and maybe it isn't so much the actor's fault, but I think some of the lines they were. They just seemed. They came across as a little unnatural to me. But again, this whole film is a little unnatural. <laughs> yeah,
0: and yeah, the way that everyone speaks in this movie is is kind of. It's, I don't know. If, is, is it wordy? Is it verbose? Is it they, they use a lot of big words and like there's even especially the scene um, when Cobb goes to Mombasa to to find Eames. He has this whole like. Just like paragraph where none of the words are under five, you know, five letters and mm-hmm. <laughs> just ridiculous. <laughs> it's like because he's talking about, I think, the psychology with um, Robert Fisher, which is interesting because his name is Bobby Fisher. I just thought that was interesting. So, yeah, the way that they speak in this movie is kind of unnatural. It's kind of stilted mm-hmm. and wordy.
1: It, it seems Overly sophisticated for there a bunch of rogue, like, <laughs> criminals.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they are all really, like, smart for criminals. They're like high-level mm. criminals.
1: Well, they have to be. They, they're they on a whole new level. Yeah.
0: This chemist is coming up with new compounds all the time. Eames is, you know, uh, a forger and an impersonator. <laughs> so the acting, you just didn't like the acting style.
1: Yeah, I, that's fair. That's fair to say. Yeah and it could grow on me too like
0: yeah i mean i it might as you watch more nolan films because i feel like the nolan films that i've seen are pretty similar as far as their acting it might be his his direction hmm. uh, because i know uh, leonardo dicaprio has been in the running for some oscars for quite a long time
1: right and, and i think that that could have been my where i slipped up to because i went in with such high expectations because i knew oh, his yeah, reputation okay. yeah and and it just I don't think it was bad, it just wasn't what I was expecting.
0: Right, it wasn't Oscar caliber. Yeah. So the the hallway scene, the infamous hallway scene, what what did you think of that? Well, scenes which there's hallway two fights. Scene are we there's two about? fights in the in the hallway. And I don't really know which one normally people are like wowed by cuz they're both pretty pretty awesome. The the one the it's like turning in the first in the first fight with uh arthur versus the projections and then you know and he has another fight where oh. it's zero gravity
1: yes okay yes yeah i thoroughly enjoy those i think the one with no gravity was really really cool i don't do you know how long ago this movie was made
0: Pfft. nope 2011 i okay. want to say but um okay I that sounds about
1: right i say i know this won like a best uh visual effects award in like even that oh, scene yeah. alone to me was so cool. Like the the movement is is so well done. Like I don't know how they filmed it.
0: Uh, I do. Do you want to know?
1: Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. Enlighten me.
0: So they a vast majority of that was practical effects. They built a hallway in this like big old hangar, and if you look at the outside of it, it looked like uh, like a hamster ball with you know like a a long not cube. But, you know, like a like a long box inside of it, you know, that is that's the hallway. And then the spherical part is the part that they used to, you know, turn the hallway. Okay. And so that whole thing was it was an actual physical turning hallway. And, you know, just. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Probably like the ends were green screen so that they could green screen, you know, the adjoining, you know, hallways. But Yeah. That, that was all real and they were on wires for the zero gravity bit and Joseph Gordon-Levitt played Arthur had to go through a lot of training to, to pull off that scene and he he was a little bit salty yeah, about sure. that. Yeah, sure. He, he kind of complained about <laughs> it in the like uh, interviews and stuff.
1: He did most of his own stunts, didn't he?
0: I think so because there's a lot of the, there's not a whole lot of, hey, there's the back of Arthur's head and he's punching a guy, you know, it's... It, Right. You see his face for most of it.
1: Yeah, I always have a lot of respect for actors who do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, Tom Cruise is the king of that crew. You mm, absolutely. <laughs> Hanging on the sides of planes and going up uh, the tallest building in the world. Um, so this, the uh, Inception was made in uh, 2010. So, okay. yeah. I, I don't know how far visual effects necessarily have come in that time as far as like, buildings and that type of thing so anything that would have helped inception probably hasn't you know advanced too much if you right. know what I
1: mean yeah no I was super impressed with the effects I mean I saw Dr. Strange before I watched this so I would say it had Dr. Strange-esque <laughs> like effects but I think it's the opposite right it's the it way is. around
0: yeah whenever the first trailer came out for Dr. Strange they were like oh my gosh, they're just ripping off Inception. And all, <laughs> <laughs> the other half of the internet was like, it's so cool, it's like Inception. So I, I was a little yeah, bit well, aware of that. I was like, ooh, this is a little bit Inception-y. Hopefully they don't do too much of that.
1: Yeah. yeah. Now there are some like almost identical shots, though, too, like the whole like the road flipping uh-huh. up and like, yeah, it looks very, very similar.
0: Yeah. Um, the one thing that I think – dr strange did differently as far as that like the street flipping up type thing there's a car that goes down you know down a vertical street in inception Mm. and the director i guess had he decided that the the car should just go through a tunnel when that happened so it didn't you know go from one street to the other like uh in dr strange where the the car just went whoop and went on to the next <laughs> one
1: <laughs> right
0: yeah so they're a little bit more ambitious in, in dr strange you can get away with i think more with the way that dr strange set, set itself up it could be a little mm. bit more cartoony so they had a little bit more leeway do you want to know what the uh, device is called the dream machine
1: do i want to know or do i know both uh, well I'd love to know because I do not <laughs> okay
0: good uh, that works alright so it's called the passive device and it's portable automated somnison intravenous device it's uh, somnison. I looked it up it's uh, I don't think it's real it's It's the compound that uh, it's what they call the compound that puts them in the dream that allows dream sharing mm-hmm. have you tried to think about how that would work
1: yeah and then my brain broke and I gave up <laughs>
0: Yeah, similar experience, <laughs> I think, for, for all of us. Because if. Because uh, there's a line where Arthur, Arthur says it's like the um, limbo is just pure, raw subconscious, and it's like shared subconscious. So apparently, in this universe, we have some sort of. I don't want to say hive mind, but some kind of connection with our minds in general. And hmm. I don't know if the passive device. Yeah, see, this is where my brain breaks. How would the chemicals make that possible? Because they're connected, right? It's all They're all connected by the passive device.
1: Right, yeah. I, I think it all goes back to the whole, like, what's everybody's role in the dream? So, like, who's building it and who's the one projecting the people? And, like,
0: mm-hmm. but again,
1: like, I, I've seen it twice and I still don't understand how all that works.
0: <laughs> yeah, because never. Ex- that's another one. They never explain how they differentiate the the roles. I guess they could have gone into the passive device a little bit.
1: Mm. They they have like one or two sentences towards the very beginning when Cobb is explaining to, is it uh, Ariadne?
0: I think yeah.
1: Ariadne, yeah. He's explaining to her how it works and like he mentions it briefly, hmm. but they really don't do much more than that in explaining it, which I, I feel like hurts the movie a little bit because you spend a pretty good At least I did. I spent a good amount of time trying to figure out like, okay, who's controlling what and why does that work the way that works? And it took me out of the movie a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's why I sort of think that they should have explained like, okay, this one, even just like this tube is for the architect and this tube is for the uh, subject and this one is for the Mm. dreamer or whatever. Right. Yeah. I think that would have helped. But have you ever seen, uh, going back to acting for a second, have you ever seen- his wife the actress that played his wife have you ever seen her in any other movies?
1: I don't I don't think so. I could have and just not remember, but I don't have any recollection of it.
0: Uh she's in she's in the Batman movies. I think she's just in Rises.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well that would that's one I haven't seen as we've already established.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I I sort of asked that question before I had really thought about it. But <laughs> um yeah, she's really good and I think in Rises she didn't get enough to do really, but in this She's really that, um, are you familiar with the idea of a femme fatale? mm Okay. Generally, it's like a love interest, sort of, but she's also like a dangerous person and most of the time kind of unstable. Um, okay. <laughs> so.
1: Are you describing her pretty well?
0: <laughs> yeah. And I wasn't even think. I was trying not to think about her character as I was saying that. So, yeah, she she's a total uh, femme fatale and usually they're not married, but. Um she sort of serves as a bad guy too, huh?
1: Yeah, I think they did a really good job setting up her character and explaining like how she ended up the way she did. And I think that I think as an audience as the audience, I didn't feel I didn't feel like she was like the bad guy mm-hmm. because you almost you almost feel sympathy for her and um which I think really <laughs> worked in the movie's favor is cuz she wasn't this like mustache twirling you know, bad guy. Terrible person. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, that's what people always say. Like anything that's not a mustache twirling bad guy is, is a good thing, you know, to, mm. to give the the bad guy, quote unquote, some depth and motivation. Right. So was he dreaming at the end or wasn't he?
1: Gosh, <laughs> I don't know. I I would say no, because I did read one thing online. Mm-hmm. Have you heard this theory, like his the wedding ring theory? Yes. I can see that. Mm-hmm. being the case and then also like do you want to do you want to
0: explain that for anybody who hasn't the, yeah so it.
1: you're gonna have to correct me if i get it wrong here but yeah, so yeah. the the top is his wife's totem yes and there's a, a fan fiction theory or whatever you might want to call
0: it <laughs> a fan theory that it's a fan his
1: theory. his wedding ring is his own totem uh-huh. and so when he's dreaming he has it on but when he's not dreaming he has it off right and at the end right he's not wearing it and his and the other thing people add too is that his kids are older in the end, and so if he would have been dreaming, he wouldn't have dreamt them as being older than what they were when they when he last saw them. Right, which I think is a pretty mm-hmm. valid argument.
0: Yeah, because he wouldn't be but able at the same to, time. He wouldn't be able to dream them older.
1: Right, exactly, and I. But I think I read an interview with Nolan. I he talked about like how he purposely left it ambiguous, and so like I think. I think it's one of those things that's just open to interpretation depending on the person.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. But the the fact that they're older, they're played by different actors. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that his totem is a completely useless totem um, because, first of all, it it belonged to someone else. It's someone else's totem. Uh, right. Everyone knows how a top works. It's not unique. It's more like a coin mm. than a loaded die. And I had a third point, And I don't remember what the third point was. It's just a bad totem. <laughs> I
1: yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Um, So I have a question about the totems. So. Do you know, like, if someone picks up your totem in the dream, mm. is that going to matter? Because, like, I know mm. it matters if they pick it up in real life. But,
0: um, like, what are
1: the consequences of someone else picking it up in the dream? And the only reason I ask is because at the very beginning, mm-hmm. when... Um, Cobb goes back and he's meeting with like the really old Saito and Saito like takes cool his top set. and spins it and so I'm like oh wait you're not supposed to touch that
0: mm-hmm. but but remember his his totem is completely useless because everyone knows how a t- how a top works and his top doesn't work any different than any other top
1: then why would he be so like snappy at the girl when she tries to grab it I don't I, I don't know I just think his treatment of it is
0: yeah exactly because the I don't know if this is something cuz part of the the allure of this the the concept the idea that Nolan used to try to make this like a a cool unique movie is the fact is the idea of a do they call an untrustworthy narrator so, something like that where mm. the character whose point of view we're following that we're the the lens that we're looking through is not uh, it's not. It's not stable, and they're not seeing reality all the time for what it is. So sometimes, what we're seeing is the skewed version of reality that the character sees. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, and that's some of that is a result of the untrustworthy narrator type of thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. So Arthur has a loaded die, and so if someone were to take his loaded die for instance i would i would assume that it would work the way that they expected it to work oh no because his he, he is also affecting things in the dream because he's there so maybe it would um maybe it would behave the way it would in the real world but i don't know how would you even what would be different about yeah. it in the dream
1: i know i know that bothered me too Did it, I, I don't think they've come up with a really solid totem that like will work no matter what but I, I think that's part of the point though too because at the end it's supposed to be ambiguous and it, we're supposed to kind of have this not fear but this concern that like maybe none of this was real the whole time but we had no way to prove it
0: <laughs> yeah and, the, and
1: that's creepy <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: totally okay so but they have control over a certain like a lot of the world but they also but they don't have control over say the projections but the totems are not projections they're physical objects just like the architecture that they can bend to their will so i guess the idea is that in the dream he can make the the top spin forever or ariadne can make her like i assume her like chess piece is a loaded chess piece and it falls differently or something it's weighted in a certain way now, maybe she can change that in the dream, but like yeah, that makes sense. But what what if you're, what if you're like afraid that you're you know in a dream or you're afraid that it's reality because your life is in danger, and you see, what you expect you know because that's how hallucinations work. You see what you expect. What if that happens?
1: <laughs> well, you're in trouble. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I I think that's why like. Cobb is really losing it throughout the movie. Hmm. Like he like spins the top. He has the gun in his hand, like implying that he's going to shoot himself if it keeps going.
1: Right. And I, yeah.
0: So, what were we going to say?
1: No, I, I lost my thought. Okay. Dang it. <laughs> constantly <laughs> <come> floating back. <laughs> off.
0: Constantly floating off thoughts. So yeah, there's a little, there's some like clarification that they could have had, which would have been mm. nice, but uh, overall fantastic movie. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I I think the first time I watched it, I was, to be honest, a little indifferent towards it. Which, I okay, I know, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I think it was just because it was so, it was so outlandish that, I, I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't have the capability of grasping all of the continuity uh-huh. of it until I went back and watched it a second time. And then like I I talked about this a little bit earlier, but like when I went back and I'm like, oh. Like, it all makes sense now. Like, this <laughs> is explaining why this is going to work. And, like, yeah. it all fits together into this one, like, comprehensive, unified piece of art. And mm-hmm. that's really cool when you can look back and see it. And it, that I think that really adds to the rewatchability of it. Yeah. And, I mean, kudos to Nolan for making a movie that you can watch over and over again and still get something different out of every time. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that shows a lot of layers to his artistry.
0: Absolutely. Layers within layers within layers yeah there's there's a lot hey easy jokes there what sorry i
1: was gonna say i remember what i was gonna talk about with Cobb. um sweet so one of the things i think is that's really good about that film is as he moves on like there's this there's this really fantastic character development where we see him continuing to lose his perception of reality Mm -hmm. and so i think nolan shows us what it could end up to be through that story with him and his wife and then we're kind of knowing that that end is possible we're forced to watch Cobb go through this and and I think in doing that we can feel like what he's feeling because we're experiencing it too watching the film right so we don't know what's reality and what's not and right I think Nolan can really he strikes that really well and I mean I, I'd left the movie thinking like okay was that all real? Was it not? And, I, and in doing so, you can relate to the character, so it just works on so many different levels.
0: Yeah, absolutely. See, that's the whole untrustworthy narrator, narrator thing mm. that you don't know exactly what's real and what's not. And that's one thing that. Right. And I sorry, go ahead.
1: I say I haven't seen, I don't think any movies that have done it definitely to this level, but to almost any level at all. Like I think, to for a movie to come and then think have us think we're in control and then just rip that control away from us so like yeah we have no idea what's yeah. going on that's that's kind of a terrifying thing <laughs>
0: yeah yeah no and it's but it's like uh it's like a roller coaster type of terrifying right cuz it's very entertaining
1: yes yeah it's thrilling is probably a better word than terrifying there you go there you go
0: yeah um so the part in Mombasa like not only the like weird um coincidence of you know Saito being there and you know at the perfect moment, but also like the the way that the buildings are are so close to each other is also like very improbable, and then you know he's freaking out and Cobb is freaking out, and therefore the shop the owner of the restaurant is also freaking out that that type of mm-hmm. thing you know's things that people point to as far as like is that part a dream? Is it real, or what's going on? Right. And people oh, man, have there's so much. <laughs> yeah, people have like drawn maps of that type of thing. Like, oh, this is that layer, and this is another layer within that one, and then there's another one, and whatever. So, hmm. yeah, it gets it gets real crazy.
1: Yeah, no, it, crazy is one word for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think we've we've touched on this a little bit, mm-hmm. but the whole the whole concept of getting lost in. An alternate reality that we can control. I thought that was really, that was really oh, yeah. interesting. And I think this movie kind of has this idea that each of us have a desire to be able to control our own environment, right, and uh-huh. kind of escape, escape reality and escape pain and suffering that you know is is inevitable in reality. Right. Uh, but the film also does a good job of explaining like what what happens when humans are given that power, like mm-hmm. what happens when when humans become their own gods per se and and I think to the movie's credit I think it did that really well I think it showed us um the, just kind of the destructive nature of of being in control of every aspect of your world and right. and how I I don't think humans don't have the capacity to be able to to do that to to be gods and yeah, yeah I just I found that interesting no, um, absolutely. and just just to the the way the movie Portrayed the the reliance that people had on this alternate reality, like they they found it so so necessary to go back and get lost in this dream world, mm-hmm. and that was just a fascinating idea, fascinating promise to me.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. See, there's a lot of like other directions that um, that you can take this as a viewer, and that Nolan could have taken this as a director and a writer, because um, mm. that that's a whole movie in itself. You know the. The concept yes. of, you know, a virtual reality achieved through dreams and how that can affect you as far as escapism.
1: Mm.
0: because And they, they touched on a little bit in the middle under Yusuf's, you know, chemistry shop where people went for hours at a time and lived, you know, 40 hours in, you know, every day within their their sessions there. And, right. and that old man comes up and he says... No, they come yeah. to, you know, to to awaken. Uh, the dream has become their reality, and who are you to say that it's not? Hmm. Yeah.
1: Sorry, were you gonna yeah. say something? Um, I I was wondering when they when they originally created this, like how far we had come with virtual reality, because I know like that's become kind of a really big deal over the last two years. Because if it almost seems a little prophetic in its <laughs> like in its the way it deals with virtual reality and like how it it could become. Because, I mean, I've heard concerns. People have – It's. I mean, it's just a topic of debate about whether the morality of getting lost in a, a virtual world, which, right. you know, is interesting. It's got a whole new set of problems.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. New technology always um, introduces new moral uh, dilemmas, which is mm-hmm. always just it's, – it's great for fiction. Um, it's not so great when you have to actually deal with it in real life. <laughs> Um, yes, I'm looking at this uh, sort like off the top of my head, something that I like in the whole uh, virtual reality uh, like story and art type of thing is uh, sword art online. That came out in 2009, which is the year before inception. And then I'm trying to look up where like the real world sort of current analog to this came out, which is uh, the Oculus Rift. Dear me, Oculus Rift released March twenty eighth, twenty sixteen. Okay, it's been hmm. in the works since twenty twelve. So yeah, as far as real world virtual reality, yeah, this is prophetic. Yeah. <laughs> but you know,
1: well, and that's sci fi for you. I think it's valuable that they. Uh, I think movies like this have the power to you know start the discussion, and I think mm. I think that's good. I think it's valuable, and I think I don't think they treated the topic lightly. I think they. I think they address some of the concerns, and yeah, I think they did a good job managing like, like real world lessons with like a really good fun movie.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh see, I almost forgot about the score. What did you think about the score?
1: Ah, uh, <laughs> well, this is this is kind of related. I'm going to go off track just a little bit. Okay. My favorite part in the movie is that car chase scene where they have no music in the background.
0: Okay, which one? And, is like, that?
1: So it's when – so they're in the first layer of the dream,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they get in the taxi, uh-huh. and people start shooting up the taxi, and
0: right, it gets okay. crazy. Gotcha. And,
1: and, like, I think the first time I watched it, I'm like, yeah, this is a really good scene. And then the second time I watched it, I was like, whoa, there's no music. And this <laughs> still is managing to be, like, an incredibly, like, intense and exciting um, action-adventure action moment. And I was uh-huh. like, that that took that took a lot, I think, to pull that off. I think they did a really good job – because a lot of movies, I think, rely on the score to to get them through instead of Absolutely. having the score improve what already is good. Yep. Um, so yeah, major kudos to them for pulling that off. Um,
0: yeah, and that's all. That's like editing and sound design, as as far mm. as that goes. Keeping keeping up the action and you know having the sound aid all of the the experience without without the music.
1: Right, and I think did it. Did it win best editing? No,
0: I don't know. I, I should really look up the 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 awards that it won. But
1: uh, yeah, I just I just saw it earlier. I might Google it really quick because it it won quite a few for a science fiction, oh yeah, adventure movie.
0: Yeah, um, no Nolan, one one's like that. He because he's fantastic, and he generally makes like sci-fi or at least like high concept films. Are you familiar with like his other mm. stuff, like Memento or
1: Not? No, not really. I've, Insomnia. I've heard a lot of people talk about them. Yeah, and like I've read a lot of reviews, so I know like he's a very talented, yeah, talented director that does a lot of really cool things in his films.
0: Same. Um. Yeah, I still haven't watched Memento or what's the other one, Insomnia, but I watched okay the Batman trilogy, Inception, and the Prestige. Okay. Come on, IMDb. What are you doing? <laughs> Uh, Please.
1: So I found uh, the awards it did win. So it's got best visual effects, best cinematography, best sound editing, and best sound mixing. What did I say? What did I say? (laughs) (laughs) You called it. Good job.
0: (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I probably saw it at some point. But that's, yeah, that's totally, that totally makes sense. Mm. And Nolan has this, like, team that he... That he works with. He usually has Hans Zimmer as his composer. He writes with his brother, uh, Jonathan Nolan. He has a lot of the same cast that shows up over and over in his different movies. And there was another one, which I've forgotten. Oh, the cinematographer, I think. He uses the same cinematographer most of the time as well.
1: Okay. Well, it's worked for him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. He has a winning formula and... Nolan please don't stop and uh, I think it's <laughs> Wally Pfister because uh, the cinematographer went off and he like he directed his own film and it was garbage so um, mm. Mr. Cinematographer I think it's Wally Pfister please continue to work with Nolan um, did you have any what else you got
1: um, not a lot the only the only thing I have I, re- I have a list of everything I want to yeah, cover too. I'm just so so over prepared <laughs> but um. <laughs> It kind of bothered me the way uh the female character uh, Ari- Ariadne. Ariadne?
0: Ariadne. Mm-hmm.
1: Ariadne. Okay, I'm going to have so much trouble with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's all
1: good. Um but I feel like she just jumps in- and part of this could be the whole is it a dream is it not a dream. But mm. she jumps into this thing so quickly. Right. With very little hesitation and that that feels like such an unnatural response to me because it's like you're introducing her to this world where she has like ultimate control but you're also like manipulating people's minds which mm-hmm. yeah she just kind of jumps into it a little bit yeah. a little bit too quickly with without a lot of character development
0: okay so which sorry you're gonna saying?
1: well i was just gonna add that it could be because of time constraints but uh-huh. i'm not sure
0: yeah okay so part of that yeah probably part of that is time constraints it seems like Nolan in a couple of, did he, oh, he did Interstellar too. I forgot about that. Why did I forget about that? Um, there's some things in Interstellar that are like left unexplained just because of time constraints. It It's because <laughs> of the huge high concept ideas that he ends up going for. But the, the whole thing with Ariadne, I think part of it is Ellen Page's acting style. She's a very like, uh, she doesn't do a lot with her face or her voice you know so mm. it's it's kind of weird that it's just not that she's bad it's just that she doesn't act a lot does that make sense that she doesn't emote very much mm. and so there's there's a little bit of that as well as the fact that um she michael kane says that she is his you know she, she's the best pupil and better than Cobb himself. And so anybody who is that good and that smart is going to have a lot of uh, curiosity. And mm-hmm. that kind of power that she experienced in the dream is going to be addicting, like the, like the character said in the movie. So.
1: Yeah, well, he says, like, Cobb has a line where he says, reality is not going to be enough for her now. Exactly. Like, so they they hinted that to where like she's going to be sucked into this world
0: yeah sometimes with like character development i ran into this with la, la land uh last week that they'll set something up but somehow it doesn't like stick and you kind of like forget about it in in the moment type of thing so it doesn't mm-hmm. really it's not effective which i don't know i kind of blame myself for some of that uh happening but also like maybe it's positioned in the wrong place
1: yeah i i get that
0: yeah so there is that that she did um she did go into it really quickly but Cobb did say that that he's never seen that happen before so it's it's a rare Mm. occurrence which you know you want your heroes to be sort of special (laughs) it's no good following boring people around for two hours all right so i have a a pitch um this is something that uh the guys over at the YouTube channel, How It Should Have Ended, uh, just used in a throwaway joke. Okay. But have you, heard, have you seen How It Should Have Ended? I have,
1: yeah. Not everything yeah. they put Super out, Super but...
0: good channel. No, me neither. It, it gets to be uh, a bit much. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Their episode on Inception, at the end they have Freddy Krueger playing a trombone, and that's how they explain the big... <laughs> noise that you know inception pioneered so that got me thinking like what if there was like a ridiculous crossover with the two of them okay this is gonna go completely over your head if you don't know who freddy krueger is do you know who freddy krueger is
1: uh, I'm, I'm googling him right now <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm like panicking like wait i don't know what you're talking about slow down <laughs> okay continue
0: <laughs> okay I'll, I'll, I'll just i'll just tell you freddy krueger is the antagonist uh, slash protagonist of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Okay. He's, he's the monster. Okay. And the way that he kills people is he kills people in their dreams. If you're killed by Freddy Krueger in your dreams, you die in real life. Okay. Maybe Joseph Gordon-Levitt leads the movie because at this point Cobb is either dead, in limbo, or <laughs> he's with his kids now. <laughs> so Joseph Gordon-Levitt leads this movie, uh, Inception versus Freddy Krueger. And he has to go after somebody who, uh, maybe it's a kid, and maybe they've just seen the Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time recently. And so when they go through their training, because some, for some reason they have to go through you know, anti-extraction dream training, the fact that they watched the Nightmare on Elm Street series ended up uh, creating a projection of freddy krueger that works just like in the actual series you know if you if you're killed by this projection then you die in real life hmm. but i just thought that'd be that'd be kind of fun
1: but yeah i i can see where it would work but i think we we completely <laughs> switch genres i think we'd go from science fiction actually Maybe. adventure to horror I don't know. <laughs>
0: because there are a lot of things you can do with pg-13 movies but would it have to be R? that's a whole nother conversation. Hmm. I think R versus pg thirteen.
1: Yeah, that, tell me about it. I think they could have, um, they could develop a whole another storyline related to the protection from extractors. Like you know how Cobb pulls that whole thing when he goes in. It's like the yeah. second level, Mr. and he Charles. basically tells him like, "This is a dream. I'm here to protect you." And I, I think that's really that's really fascinating. I think they could take that a lot of places, whether it's your direction <laughs> or,
0: <laughs> I they don't know, maybe
1: invent <laughs> in, in a more original <laughs> character. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, they definitely wouldn't take it in my direction, but that was just something that I had come up with like recently. I was like, "Oh, that's some way that they could do it without it being like completely ridiculous." And I even I don't know a lot about Freddy Krueger, but I just feel like that would work, you know. A monster comes in because of something hmm. that was in somebody's subconscious.
1: So, is is your idea that he's Intentionally put there as a defense mechanism, or is it I would it love it even more in... if it
0: was like intentional because okay. that would just be some like sick man just putting that kind of defense mechanism? <laughs> that's like that's like having a bear trap inside your house as an anti robber thing.
1: Well, and I think if we live in a world, I'm assuming I'm in the movie, like if if we're in a world where there is the ability to enter people's dreams and to manipulate mm. people, I think that would become a much more common practice of introducing defense yeah. mechanisms. And I mean, that adds a whole nother level of problems uh, when you go in to extract something. Cause it's like, not only are you trying to extract things and get out alive, like you're trying to avoid and navigate the defense that the person exactly. has already set yeah, so up. There's
0: a lot more story that you can even like have the, the two, the extractor and the Mark or the subject sort of like square off back and forth. Like a game of chess, like now I've come up with this mm. way of getting around your defenses, and then he, and then you've come up with a new defense, that type of thing.
1: Yeah, I I think it could work. <laughs> you write it and pitch it to Nolan and <laughs> then make millions.
0: Well, you, there's several problems to that, but that'd be <laughs> pretty awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, copyright the idea just in case.
0: Somebody else came up with it already. It's not like. <laughs> i came up with a specific though so and it's on record now so there you go that's how copyright yeah, laws work go. right
1: i hope so <laughs> you're gonna be a millionaire and i want some of that some of that money too there so. you go
0: i will remember you when i'm famous
1: awesome thank you I appreciate it
0: <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> all right i think with that we're gonna wrap it up any final thoughts last chance
1: uh no i i recommend the movie i think it's something if you haven't seen like me if you waited 17 years of your life to watch it you should probably go watch it because it's a classic
0: (laughs) yeah you really should it comes highly recommended from two random people on the internet um
1: yeah we should definitely listen to us
0: (laughs) okay should you watch interstellar or the prestige or batman um
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i have to watch batman regardless eventually don't i it's just one of those movies you can't (laughs) Can't be a teenager in America and have not seen Batman. Like
0: <laughs> that is true. That is true.
1: My homeschooler is showing a little bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Your homeschooler is showing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's go with Batman. Watch the Batman. That's my official re- uh, recommendation. Watch the Batman trilogy. All right. There you go.
1: Sounds good. I'll get bit. right on that.
0: Awesome. All right. Uh, where can they find you online?
1: Uh. Okay. Yeah. So blog is. Got to remember this. I already said it earlier. Uh, watching with a purpose. Mm-hmm. Dedicated to Kevin. <laughs> and then uh, Twitter is at Rebecca 816
0: Awesome. Is there a is there a thing? Is there a reason for the zero eight six?
1: It's just my birthday. Okay. Yeah, I always. I think I didn't want to do at Rebecca because I think it's probably taken.
0: Oh yeah, it's definitely taken. <laughs> See, when I was looking for yeah. your Twitter uh, handle earlier i put in rebecca martin and it was like do you mean this rebecca martin i'm like eh, no, that is not who i mean <laughs> so
1: yeah rebecca martin is a really common name like you you're kind of making fun of my email address earlier and like, <laughs> seriously it is so, it was so hard to find something literally every single thing we could think of was taken and this yeah. is probably seven years ago even Wow. so it's just I don't know. I just have a common name. Yeah. Whatever. Well, I
0: mean, you're talking to a guy who is the Mexican John Smith, so I can relate <laughs> <laughs> like Gabriel Rodriguez. There's like millions of them.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: Cause we only have like 10 last names in anyway. Uh, I am at game of the box on Twitter. It's just a random thing that I came up with, uh, basically because I have the same problem as Rebecca does with a common name. Um, at bargain bin movie pod on Instagram and uh, also Facebook, Facebook and Twitter. Um, I just posted this uh, pretty, I think it's pretty funny uh, meme on Instagram. So go check that out. It has to do with Wolverine. Little sizzle for you. And <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I appreciate everybody who came back from last week. You guys are the best. And that's it. Have a nice week. Bye-bye.
1: Bye, guys.